You're listening to the Podcast Network. Listen. Learn. Evolve. G'day, Cam. <laughs> uh, g'day, Rich. It's Wednesday, the 1st of February 2006, and Rich and I, well, I have been having some technical hurdles, as usual. We just recorded about 15 minutes of the show, and then I realised that Skylook wasn't recording Rich's voice. <laughs> uh, mate, I, the ones that I hate when I use... Um Audio Hijack Pro. I haven't experienced it for a little while, Touchwood, but I've got to keep an eye on it because uh, partway through a podcast or something like that, it starts recording um, my what I say about, I don't know, half a second or a second later than when I actually speak. And so I end up cutting off and talking over the top of all, you know, my guests and stuff like that. And I, God knows why it happens, but I've got to keep an eye on it because, yeah, I can go through a show and then get to the end of it and, you know, it's got me really being really annoying talking over the top of other people and stuff like that. Bloody now, software. Now I've got your audio levels up way high. You're sort of peaking, mate. Did you get your microphone closer to your mouth? Or did you turn it up or something? No, I didn't do anything, but I can turn my end down if you need. Yeah, just turn it down a bit, maybe. How's that? I don't know. Or is that way too low? No, that sounds better. Yep, cool. Oh, well, fuck it. Let's start again, mate. <laughs> How you doing, Rich? <laughs> I'm good, mate. Oh, fuck. I, hate oh, I love, tec- I love yeah. technology. Oh, I hate repeating myself. <laughs> maybe, I could, maybe I'll just splice in the bit of me talking and people can sort of, you know, work out between the uh, gaps. They can, what they can guess what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we, we should do one of those, um, you know, guess what Richard said thing yeah. or something like that. Do a prize. Win a, win a t- Podcast Network t-shirt if you can guess what Richard was saying. <laughs> Actually, what would be even better is get, get a bit of your audio and have a competition where somebody's got to say what I was actually saying to you and I bet you would end up with some bloody funny stuff. Mm. You know, like where they uh, redo some of those old movies like um, The Sound of Music and they just do the audio over the top. I should do that. In fact, I did one of those about a year ago. Um, no one's ever heard it. Um, I don't even know if I still have it, but <laughs> I, I took an episode of The Daily Source Code <laughs> <laughs> and and I mashed it up like I was doing I like, it, it. like I was doing an interview with Adam, and it was all about me going. So Adam, uh, who do you think the greatest person in the world is? He'd go Adam Curry. And I go. So um, you know who do you think should be the next president? And I say it's Adam Curry. So Adam, if, if you could have sex with anyone in the world, who would it be? Adam Curry. Uh, and it was you're gonna little, find that. There was a little bit more variety than that. It went on for about ten minutes, and I pissed myself making it. But then I thought, nah, no, nah, I've been not setting it up there. <laughs> we, we know Adam doesn't have much of a sense of humour. Yeah. So, well, uh, nah, I mean, if he, he, you know, if he were, if it were an audio Wikipedia, that's probably how it would turn out. <laughs> yeah, but then he'd go, "Oh, I didn't realise." <laughs> so anyway, so so how are we going to start the show now? What, uh, what, well, let's not do that whole thing again. Let me tell you about a book. Yeah, that I just bought. 
I took my kids out for uh, last day of holidays lunch and uh, popped into the local bookstore. Did something that I shouldn't have done. I bought a book. Uh, I've, you know, I got fifty books sitting on my bedside table. And it's just- yeah, actually, I'd like to say you said uh, that you. Which which interview was it? Uh, I think it was Bob. <clears throat> The other day you were talking about, and you didn't want to be a. You, you weren't into killing trees. Now I've seen a picture of your bedside table, mate. So that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I made. I actually made a vow to myself a few years ago that I was not going to buy another paper-based book. They were all going to be e-books, but I, I don't know. It went awry somewhere there. People give them to me, which is half the problem for Christmas and shit. Anyway, so I bought another book. This uh, I haven't read it yet, so I can't tell you. I'm going to do a review on this as I go, so I can claim the book back on my tax. But um, (laughs) (laughs) it looks so good. I had to buy it. It's called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Oh, cool. The shocking inside story of how America really took over the world by John Perkins. Let me read you the back cover. This is just... And now... You know that I'm interested in global politics and America's imperialist nah. behaviour and all this kind of stuff. Nah. Nah. I wouldn't, you know wouldn't have known. And, and, and from time to time, you, you get these stories. Uh, I remember that one came out a few months ago that I wrote about in the blog. It came out of Iraq where billions of dollars of supposed aid from the United States has gone missing. Yeah. It, okay. You seen these stories? It's gone into Bill Gates' bank account, hasn't it? <laughs> it happens all the time. Now, they go into these countries where they're supposed, you know, they're supposedly going to develop, the, redevelop the country, and blah blah. And all this aid money, which comes out of Congress's budget, which comes out of the U.S., British, Australian taxpayers, and mm. then you see this little thing somewhere in the back of the paper. Oh yeah, twenty billion dollars has gone missing out of the two trillion that we've <laughs> we've funded. Yeah, oh, it's probably just around. Error, don't worry about it. This sort of thing happens. It always just gets written off. Oh, yeah, this sort of thing. And somebody, somebody in the opposition always says, yeah, we need to have an inquiry about that. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah sure, we'll have an inquiry. Get back to me next week. And, that, and, it, and that's... And you don't hear any more about it. And so anyway, listen to this. Economic hitmen are highly paid professionals who cheat countries around the globe out of trillions of dollars. Their tools include fraudulent financial reports, rigged elections, payoffs, extortion, sex and murder. They play a game as old as empire, but one that has taken on terrifying dimensions during this time of globalisation. John Perkins should know he was an economic hitman for an international consulting firm that worked to to convince poorer countries to accept enormous development loans and to make sure that such projects were contracted to US companies. Once these countries were saddled with huge debts, the American government would request their pound of flesh in favours, including access to natural resources, military cooperation and political support. Confessions of an Economic Hitman is the story of one man's experiences inside the intrigue, greed, corruption and little-known government and corporate activities that the US have been involved in since World War II. The message is clear. Unless these clandestine activities are stopped, they will have dire consequences for our future. And uh, in the introduction to the book... Uh, basically says uh, economic hitmen funnel money from the World Bank, the US Agency for International Development, USAID, and other foreign aid organisations into the coffers of huge corporations and the pockets of a few wealthy families who control the planet's natural resources. Their tools include fraudulent financial reports, rigged elections, payoffs, blah, blah, I said that, yeah. Um, i got to get me one of those hip pockets. 
Now, listen to this. Yeah. I wrote that. This is what the author's saying in the introduction. I wrote that in 1982 as the beginning of a book with the working title Conscience of an Economic Hitman. The book was dedicated to the presidents of two countries, men who had been my clients, whom I respected and thought of as kindred spirits. Jamie Roldos, president of Ecuador, and Omar Torrios, president of Panama. Both had just died in fiery crashes. Their deaths were not accidental. They were assassinated because they opposed that fraternity of corporate, government, and banking heads whose goal is global empire. We EHMs failed to bring Roldos and Torrijos around and the other type of hitmen, the CIA-sanctioned jackals who were always right behind us, stepped in. I was persuaded to stop writing that book. I started it four more times during the next 20 years. On each occasion, my decision to begin again was influenced by current world events. The US invasion of Panama in 1989, the first Gulf War, Somalia, the rise of Osama bin Laden. However, threats or bribes always convinced me to stop. In 2003, the president of a major publishing house that is owned by a powerful international corporation read a draft of what had now become Confessions of an Economic Hitman. He described it as a riveting story that needs to be told. Then he smiled sadly, shook his head, and told me that since the executives at World Headquarters might object, he could not afford to risk publishing it. He advised me to fictionalise it. We could market you in the mould of a novelist like Jean Le Carre or Graham Greene. But this is not fiction. This is the true story of my life. A more courageous publisher, one not owned by an international corporation, has agreed to help me tell it. Wow. That's the intro to the book. Now, I'm absolutely convinced this, this shit is true. That's why I had to buy this book. Again, you know, and I remember this rock story reading that this money had disappeared and around about the same time that it disappeared, several of the uh, leading politicians in Iraq that had sort of been put in place by the American government after they got rid of Saddam had resigned or retired or disappeared. And they were the guys that seemed to have the passwords for these accounts that the money was in, but they weren't talking. <laughs> and, of course, Iraq is in such a mess. Who's going to sue them? Everyone's focused on the Saddam trial. Oh, the Saddam trial. Oh, the Saddam trial. Look at the Saddam trial. Oh, $20 billion has gone to Mr. B. Oh, I can't worry about that. We've got the Saddam trial. Oh, we've got the Saddam trial. You know, it's, it's a big fucking game of bait and switch. The whole thing is bait and switch, mate. Um, go in, use taxpayers' money to bomb the crap out of some third world country, and then, oh, we've got to go and save the people. We've got to go and save the people that we just killed. Oh, we just bombed all the men, women, and children, the civilians. But, oh, we've got to go in and rebuild the country, rebuild the country. Let's give them $4 trillion worth of economic aid. Oh, no one's going to complain about that. Oh, aren't we nice? Oh, look, all that money's gone missing out the back door. Oh, well, hey, we can't be bothered about that. We've got to bring this big dictator to trial. And then they finish that one and they go and do they do it somewhere else a couple of years later. It sounds like a really good plot for another Monty Python movie. Are you taking the piss? No, it does. I reckon it'd be fucking funny. <laughs> it's not funny, mate. This is the world. And, you know, you know, I'm reading this Pilger book. And he's talking about... The, all of these countries where he goes and does his documentaries and his books, and they, uh, there's the same story all around. They are suffering from massive debt to the W, the, the World Bank and the IMF. And so, you know, they, they, they get saddled with these enormous debts. I remember, uh, he's talking about Indonesia that's having to pay, the, 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 uh, when this book was written anyway, a few years ago, its monthly interest bill to the World Bank, I think, was something like 60 million US dollars. Yeah. Its economy was about 50 million dollars a year. <laughs> and its bill was 60 million. Like, there's just no way they're going to pay these things. So then they just get raped and pillaged and, you know. 
It's just... Uh, this is the game, man. This is the game that's going on, and none of us even know it's happening because we're too busy watching the uh, puppet show that's being put on by the media. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. No, you're right, mate. I... Uh, it's not fun. <sighs> Google. Google. Talking of fun. Google and, and doing no evil. Point. Yeah, well, yeah. let's let's we'll get onto the Linux thing later because we talked about that when we were recording. Fuck it. Yeah. Fucking software. <laughs> well, you, you talked about it. I I was silent on the matter. Yeah, well, I can splice my bit in later. Um, <laughs> Google's fourth quarter profit fails to meet analyst expectations. Shares plummet twelve point four percent. Now you read into this. <laughs> Google's quarterly net income doubled. From its previous year to 372 million for the last quarter of 2005, and the analysts go, "Oh no, that's not good enough. Oh no, you only doubled to 372 million dollars in profit. No, no, no." And they wiped out 16 billion dollars in shareholder wealth, which, ladies and gentlemen, is more than the entire market capitalization of General Motors. Yeah. <laughs> it's- well, everybody knows. Well, everybody in the tech industry knows that analysts Suck. are full of shit, right? Analysts but, but, are the suckers but, but, of Satan's cock, ladies and gentlemen. And so the people, to, but the investors. Bill Hicks term. <laughs> Do you ever but I'm Bill assuming. Hicks? No, no, I didn't. Oh. I'm assuming that investors. Uh, I'm assuming that the people that, that pulled their money out of Google were mostly analysts, because if they're not, if they're uh, you know investors, then they need a good thumping too. Because how fucking ridiculous is that? Well, it's not invest. It's not the analysts that pull the money out. It's the analysts who you know rate it down, and then software kicks in and pulls it out usually. The, and it's here's big, a, here's it's a big funds that pull them. Here's a good one. There was uh, I remember in in a single month, and you know because I watch Sun shares and analysts etc etc. Some guy came out, an analyst came out with a, you know, he said, oh, you know, they're not going to do too well. Our rating is, you know, a sell or some bullshit like that. Within a month, so within 30 days, the guy had changed his mind to say it was, you know, a hold or a buy or something like that. Now, fuck me. Not a lot changes in a month, in yeah, 30 I, days, I'll tell you that what you wouldn't have known before. 500 grand into a Swiss bank account can change an analyst's uh, <laughs> that. Yeah, exactly. Nothing nothing realistic. So the share market's not reality. It's this fucking fantasy bloody football game. But then, And that's what used to piss me off at Microsoft. If you look at Microsoft's share price over the last five years, right? Uh, it, you know, five... Oh, that's five days. Oh, five days. Five years. Fuck it, Yahoo. Just because I click on five days doesn't mean I want five days. Fucking hell. <laughs> you go back to yeah, Microsoft... Where's that mind-reading application when you need it? Damn it. <laughs> you go back to Microsoft's share price. Now, five years ago, it was trading at about 30 bucks. Today, it's trading at about 28 bucks. Right? Now... So it hasn't moved. I mean, it's moved. Uh, it's moved up and down a little bit in that period of time, but it's basically stayed where it is since the DOJ case kicked in in early 2000 into full gear, right? Yeah. Um, well, the penalties started getting discussed. Now, um, Microsoft's profit in that five-year period per annum has gone from like twenty billion. It's gone from like uh, six billion to twenty billion a year. And yet the share price hasn't moved up. 
Yeah. They're, make, they're making more money than God, these people. They're the only people... I mean, they're not making as much money as these guys ripping off uh, third world countries. <laughs> but they're the next best thing. You know, they're not making yeah. as much money as the oil companies. But, they, you know, they're making like $20 billion a year. In pro- I mean, when, when get their financials. Fucking hell. I hate not knowing what I'm talking about here. So, so long since I've looked at Microsoft's actual financials, I, I can't even tell you what they're making. But it's big money, right? A lot of money. Big uh, speaking of that, while you're looking that up, yeah. did you read, uh, I don't know where I saw it, apparently the tax department or whatever, I'm guessing local or state or I don't know, maybe it's national in the US, need a, a separate system to store Bill Gates' details, so so he said. <laughs> tax. He really Bill said that? Gates. Let's just do a Google News on it or something. You found that other stuff? No, well, I was going to say, let's let's look at some of these indicators. I know this isn't the normal stuff that we talk about here, but fuck it, it's in the news. Now, Microsoft's market cap, any idea what it is? Want to take a punt? No, I wouldn't have a clue. Okay. A lot. Yeah. Microsoft's market cap is sitting at the moment of about $299.65 US billion dollars. Let's, let's let's break it in. Let's let's call it three hundred billion because you know what's a couple hundred million between friends. So it, it's uh, it's like a day at the races for old Kerry Packer. <laughs> so three hundred billion dollars is their market cap. Google's market cap at the moment is just shy of one hundred and thirty billion dollars. Yeah. Okay. Now Google makes about a billion dollars. Uh, yeah, they're on track to do about a billion dollars profit this year. Microsoft's profit this year. Is uh, their revenue was forty billion for the last year? Their gross profit was thirty three point five nine billion. <laughs> How do you like them apples? Um, their net income, you know, their net, their net income was twelve point uh, just shy of thirteen billion dollars. So they're making thirteen times the profit of Google, but yeah. their market caps, you know, a little bit more than twice their size. I mean, yeah. make sense out of that. Now, obviously, people are thinking about future earnings and future growth potential and all that kind of bullshit. But uh, how can anyone sit here in 2006 and say that, well, we know that Microsoft's you know net income is 13 times what Google's is, but Google's you know growth potential in the next uh, 10 years is bigger than Microsoft? You got no idea. Yeah, you know. The, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Obviously, they don't know. They didn't know that they were going to miss their, their earnings thing this quarter. They don't know that. They got their earnings predictions wrong, but they somehow know that... Anyway, fuck it. So, it's so, a big scam. It's just all crap. So this is what Bill Gates says, and it's on Yahoo, so it must be true. Um, <laughs> my, my, my tax return in the United States has to be kept on a special computer because their normal computers can't deal with the numbers, which... I personally think it's a load of shit. Maybe it's Microsoft's system, certainly isn't fucking Unix, but he said at a Microsoft conference held in Lisbon. So I'm constantly getting these notices telling me I haven't paid something when, oh, that's his fucking reason, yeah. That's what we should do, mate. Next time the tax department come to you and say, you fucking haven't paid this, say, no, no, it's all right. Your computers can't deal with the numbers of <laughs> my fortune. Have you have Check you your installed- other computer. No, you'll go... <laughs> Have you installed the latest service patch? <laughs> it's it's all in the latest service patch. Uh, he's, Windows he's, update. Update.windows.microsoft.com Gates' fortune is put at $47 billion. 
He was. There. I remember when he was uh, hit the hundred billion mark uh, back in the day, man. Um, mm. The days. Anyway. Oh, look, he's he's spending it in good ways, so you know you can't. He is fucking hats off to him, man. And it's he's, it's and cool. You know, despite what you know, McNeely's and the Ellisons and the you know nerds of the world say, Gates earned it fair and square, man. He built a company with blood, sweat, and rat fucking cunning. <laughs> and it's business. Know, yeah, he's a businessman. It's business. Speaking of business, I'm just going to open my coke. This episode of G'day World is brought to you by Coca-Cola. Put <laughs> Finally, we're money getting money off them. The bank now. Yeah. Fuck Coca-Cola. Um, okay, so we were talking before when we weren't recording about the other thing in uh, Tech Memory Around this morning, which is um, this rumour that good old Ben King from the Registar floated about the fact that Google might be getting ready to ship their own version of Linux, uh, a version of Ubuntu that's known internally as Gubuntu. But um, we won't go into it because, as you said, um, Anders Byland from the Ars Technica blog rang up Google and Google said, no, nah, no, nah, we're just using it internally. It's uh, not no plans to distribute it, so it's not even worth talking about, which is pretty much what you expect for anything you read in the register. What's Ars Technica stand for? Why in the world would you call something Ars? Well, I, people have called me, you know, <laughs> hey, techno Ars. <laughs> uh, we need to register that <laughs> Techno ass. I registered something last night I registered another domain name last night My 400th domain name <laughs> What Poly- is it? Polly the Polly Oh Polly. yeah I saw you rambling about that one <laughs> <laughs> So here's my idea people For those of you who don't read my blog Which is most people not that anyone listens to this fucking show anymore, so it doesn't matter. But anyway, uh, my dear, pollythepolly.com. Um, I reckon every politician, before we vote for them in, in upcoming elections, be they local, state, federal, should be pressured into sitting for a public polygraph test, a lie detector test, streamed on the internet... I'll do the video streaming. I'll host it all on the podcast network, if you like. We'll call it pollythepolly.thepodcastnetwork.com. And I want them to be asked asked a series of questions, like, Prime Minister, were you aware of any evidence that Iraq did not, in fact, have weapons of mass destruction when you authorised our troops for a preemptive invasion? Ah, well, uh, no... A yes or no answer, please, Prime Minister. <laughs> no. Beep. Sorry, Prime Minister. That is, in fact, a lie. Uh, you get the booby prize. You know, and, and uh, I don't know why we're not already doing this. Why aren't we already making politicians sit polygraphs? Now, I know a polygraph isn't 100% accurate, but I don't give a fuck. It's good enough. I want them to sit polygraph tests before I'm going to vote for them in the future. What do you reckon? I reckon it's fair enough. I mean, you know, they, if they're going to represent the me... Then uh, I want to know that they're not full of shit, which rules out most of them. Well, I mean, but see, see, that's the thing. I mean, we all assume that they're lying to us. Let's find the ones that can actually pass a fucking polygraph and put them in the government. Now, they might turn out to be crooks as well, but at least if they can pass a polygraph, they're better off than the ones who can't pass a polygraph. Yeah. Now, I reckon Good idea, if mate. If you're a politician and you can't pass a f- simple polygraph test, then get out of the game, go back to selling cars or being a lawyer or whatever the fuck it was you were doing before. So here's my thing. So I'm going to do this <laughs> with all the spare time that I've got. I'm going to start ringing up 
Australian politicians and saying, will you sit a polygraph test? And I'm going to make a database of the ones that say yes and the ones that say no. The ones that say yes, we'll get them to sit it. I don't know, how you how do you do that? Where do you go to get someone to sit a polygraph? Do you go to the cops? What, who has a polygraph machine lying around? Well, they'll be experts, won't they? There's, there's professionals that do that kind of stuff. I guess so. Details, details. Don't worry about the details. Yeah, details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't confuse the selling with the implementation. That's right. That's somebody else's problem. I'm, I'm the big vision guy. Big vision. Just the big picture guy. <laughs> As, and as I found as I found out with TPN, I also have to be the delivery guy because the guy who was supposed to, yeah, yeah let's not go there. <laughs> anyway, he ended up having to be the delivery guy as well. Uh, anyway, um, but uh, yeah, don't worry, that's your problem later. Yeah, yes. Let me just yeah, no, I won't go there. Fuck, I'll let the lawyers deal with it. Anyway, um, so big vision guy, big vision. So um, I'm gonna go out and we're gonna build a database of all the ones that say yeah, I'll sit a polygraph, and the ones that say no, and I'm gonna publish that database on the web under polythepoly.com and you and I'm going to invite people from all around the world to do the same thing in their country go out to politicians and say are you prepared to sell a public polygraph test in in advance of the next election if they say no then we say okay this guy has you know Make up your own mind, ladies and gentlemen, but this guy is not prepared to sit a polygraph test. Now, you determine what that means. It's up to the public. Yeah. Yeah, you decide if this guy is straight up or not. We're not going to say anything, but he's not prepared to sit a polygraph test, so you decide what that means. This guy, on the other hand, has sat a polygraph, and, you know, and uh, he gets points just for sitting it, and B, it came out pretty good, so we think he's, you know, he's obviously prepared to, you know, he's telling the truth as far as we can tell. Are you going to do a video podcast of it as well? Well, that's what I'm talking about. We're going to we're going to shoot the video, and yeah, it'll be a podcast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it won't be a podcast because, well, maybe because uh, you know, I, I don't really care about pollies in you know, um, you know, Uzbekistan. Know. Yeah, well, I probably do in Uzbekistan because they're all probably American puppets. But you know, <laughs> there, there are some places I don't care about, some places I do care. about. yeah, anyway, this is this is my thing. I'm going to go out to Andrew Bartlett. He's going to be my first. I'm going to go to Bartlett and see if he's uh, prepared to step up. Sweet. He's a blogger. I reckon a blogger. He's been on he's been on the show, as you know. I reckon he'd be up for it. Yeah. Anyway, pollythepolly.com. P-O-L-Y, the P-O-L-L-I-E.com. Nothing up there at the moment, but I've registered it, and I'm going to... Volunteers. I need volunteers. Somebody build me a site. Database, all the fucking back-end shit. You don't have a job, Rich. You want to you do it. <laughs> you want a really bad back-end system? Then I'm, I'm, I can build one for you. Because <laughs> you do it on Sun. <laughs> oh, i got a point in there. Woo! <laughs> All right. In, in only about... And I smacked it back down, mate. Five or six shows, you finally got one in there. <laughs> That's why I need a co-host. Someone to bounce shit off, man. This is good. I'm having fun. Thanks for doing the show, man. I'm having fun. Oh, I enjoy it. I, it's part of my morning ritual now. When we don't do a show, I, I don't... My, the rest of my day isn't quite right. Yeah. Uh, my morning ritual involves porn, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, more Google News. They're playing down Napster bid talk. There's some stories, apparently, that they might be buying Napster. What the hell would they do that? They could build their own Napster. I mean, fucking, that's easy, man. There's so many open-source peer-to-peer things out there at the moment they could just take and rejig. They don't need to buy And why would you buy Napster anyway? I mean, they, yeah, they killed that. Six, yeah. So uh, the other piece of news today, two things. Um, Dave Weiner reported that Microsoft had shipped the uh, version 2 of the beta of, well, the beta 2 of version 7 of IE, which has got um, RSS built into it. 
Have you, can you, uh, you're not on the... I suppose you, you haven't seen it or anything like that then. Funny you should mention that, because I did, in fact, go to the trouble of downloading it, installing it, and rebooting my machine in advance of doing this show with you, Sweet. my friend, Rich. And, uh, but I can't find it now. <laughs> Where the fuck is it? I'm, I'm looking for it, and... Because uh, I, haven't, I haven't... Oh, here it is. Oh... Well, the first thing that I noticed, ladies and gentlemen, is a little familiar blue E with the little halo around it. The halo is now red, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pretty no, sure really. this will be the most impressive of the changes is uh, a little <laughs> coloured graphic. If Office 12 is anything to go by. Oh, but it's so pretty. All right, well, it looks like IE, and I, I'm, it's so long since I've been in IE, um, this all looks very unusual to me, but... Uh, let me get rid of my RoboForm toolbar. Oh, I, can't, I don't even know how I do that. Right-clicking... Right oh, okay, there you go. Got rid of the toolbar. So on the right-hand side, it's got a bunch of little RSS. It's got a little RSS logo here, the little... Um, and it's called Feeds, ladies and gentlemen. Feeds. You know, the little... Uh, what is that signal, that communication yeah. signal logo? They've got that. Which is apparently the, the standard now or something. Apparently they're standardising the RSS logo to that oh, little feed symbol. Well, we have to change all of that on uh, all of our TPN blogs. Yeah. And it's got pop-up blockers and all the usual shit. It's got tabs, you know, built in. Uh, looks nice. Let's see. Now, can you drag a tab and can you move the... the the tab around so you can move the location of the tab um, I, th I oh, thought I heard rumours of, of that being one of the features not as far as I can tell here no Okay. I cannot drag my tab around which sucks which by the way I know before anybody emails in yes I know Firefox does that I, I use it but, but does, uh, it, does it do it natively or is that one of the extensions that I've installed no no it does it does it natively I don't know if it was as of 1.5 or whatever I'm in now but yeah it does it now and it, there's no extension needed okay um, I've got so many extensions in Firefox I don't know what's out of the box and what's not anymore now the first thing is I tried to go to the TPN website here and the first thing that's popped up is a Microsoft phishing filter uh, help make your browser more secure. Set up phishing filter. Phishing filter will warn you if the website you are visiting might be impersonating another website. So, okay, yes, I'll turn on the phishing filter, Microsoft. So it brings up the TPM website. That's uh, very nice, runs very fast. Now, we, obviously, on this page, we've got about 45 or 50 RSS buttons. Oh, but with the, it's broken. Um, they're, they're not looking in the right spot they're sitting on top of a green border whereas they shouldn't be so I have to either talk to Manu about that or talk to the IE team about it's not sort of displaying the page oh and some other yeah the, some of the formatting on the page is a little bit wonky so and, and the team are using strict ruled HTML or whatever they're following the, the right format so is it is it IE that's breaking oh, I don't know okay I don't care who the fuck uses IE anymore anyway so uh, I'm going up to the little RSS button and it's not active. So because I was hoping I'd just be able to say subscribe to everything on this page, but uh, no, the little button's not working. Tools, toolbars, no. So I can't tell any simple way here of how I subscribe to any of the RSS feeds on this page. But it, it, so is that different to the way 
Firefox and, you know, Safari as well deal with it, as in it gives you just a little logo, you click on it and it, it subscribes you. Well, Firefox it, doesn't have, at least uh, as far as I know, Firefox doesn't have RSS built into the browser, do they? There's, uh, there's an extension it, that does that, but... It's got a little... So when you go to a page that has a RSS feed, it gives you this add live bookmark, and you can either add it to... Um, well, let's see, just clicked it, add RSS 2.0 full content, add supported as live bookmark or partial content, and then you can, uh, I don't know if you can set it up so that you can direct it to a different uh, RSS reader, but I know Safari you can, like you click on it and it opens up your, um, the one that you set in preferences, so your RSS reader pops up and, and you say, yep, I want to add that to my, my list of subscriptions. So yeah. I'm just trying to figure out if it's the same as that or if it's... No, no. But I'll tell you something they've got right here is my shortcuts. One of the reasons why um, I, I tried to go back to IE when they brought out tab browsing and it didn't work for me, I had to go back to Firefox because my Control-T, Control-W controls, Control-T for a new tab, Control-W to close the tab, didn't work in IE when I first yeah. played around with the tabbing, and which kind of broke my whole, you know... Uh, M- Flow, man. Op- oh, yeah, man, uh, op- 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 modus operandi is the word I'm looking for. Hold on, I've got another kid here. What, Tay? Um, you're getting bored of that stuff, Yeah? You're getting boring of it. Yeah. <laughs> Come over here and talk to me. Come over here. Tell him that he wants to play Blinks 1. Blinks 1? Yeah. Oh, that's so 2000. Or 2001. Tell him no. What will, the, what will people think if he's playing an old Xbox game? Blinks 1 and I like it too. Oh, okay. Well, the, the, the Blinks 1 DVD is in the cupboard. Then we don't know how to put okay. it on. Just put it in the CD tray, turn the machine off and turn it back on and it will start up by itself. But it's not two-player. Why don't you play Blinks 2? It's two-player. No, we're, we're going to share it. Oh, okay. Well, just put the game in the CD tray, DVD we tray. Why not? Oh, you won't. Just put it in. You know how to put in a DVD. It's the same as putting in a DVD. Just do that and then turn the, turn the machine off and on. And the it would. The little one's the off button. So do I need to turn it off? Yeah, put the DVD in, then turn it off and on, then it will work. All right, there you go. Oh, I don't know. The one where all the games are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Okay. Sorted. Sorted. So Control T adds a new tab, Control W shuts it down, they don't drag, and I cannot... I'm right-clicking on the RSS buttons, and I can't see any sort of, you know, add to feeds or any shit like that. The feed button's not popping up. Uh, so I don't know, man. I'm obviously going to have to spend some time playing around with it, but it's not it's not, uh, not intuitive. natively intuitive, no. Mm. Oh, well, it's only beta. Yeah, yeah, but so there you go. So that's out if people want to go and dick around with that. Uh, manage add-ons, synchronise. Uh, no, no, no. See, just nothing, nothing, nothing. No idea. Okay, dead, gone, killed it. That's my attention span gone for that. I'm afraid. I back to Firefox. Yeah, back to Firefox. <sighs> oh, now the other thing that I love today. Jeez, we're taking a long time getting through the fucking news, aren't we? We're rabbiting on. Corey Doctorow getting threatened by Starforce. That's a good one, that one. 
What an idiot. A bunch of wankers. Do they understand what they have brought down upon themselves? Do they know who he is? I mean, do they know that he, he worked for and, and, and is a, what is it? So he's, he's a life member now, whatever it is, of the EFF. Like, he's got so many lawyers standing behind him that it's just... Yeah, he's got the whole EFF infrastructure behind him. He's yeah, the number. He runs the number one blog. Bill Boeing is still number one, aren't they? You know, they're number one or number two. Yeah, pretty whatever. sure. I yeah. don't know who would be more than them. The number one blog in the world. And, uh, you know, god damn. And, you know, it's still, when I was doing my blog post about this this morning, I went and Googled kryptonite bike locks. Still the number one Google result on kryptonite bike locks is... Um, Video? Kryptonite. Kryptonite bike locks. No, it's the Engadget post that Phil Tyrone did uh, 18 months ago. Oh, yeah. actually, no. Kryptonite have uh, Kryptonite now have the number one result on it themselves. They've got number one and two. Um, Engadget's number three. And so, but if you Google Kryptonite bike locks, you, you know, above the fold in your Google results, you see Kryptonite welcome questions and answers. Kryptonite evolution 2000 U lock hacked by a big pen. Engadget. <laughs> Wired news. Twist a pen. Open a lock. The pen is mightier than the U-lock. Um, so, you know, Kryptonite is still fucked when it comes to their Google results. And this is what, you know, this is what Starforce are inviting upon themselves. Now, they're not a retail company. I mean, they're not a retail company. They have this, as he called it, malware that's installed in these games. That's in- Taylor, get out of there, buddy. Yeah, put the, div- put the game in the DVD tray. Turn the game off and turn it on again. Turn the machine off and turn it on. And then it'll start up then. Go down and look. Turn it off and on again. Okay. Well, keep doing it. I'll come down in a few minutes if it's still not working. Come and tell me if it doesn't work for you if you try it again. Thank God they're going to school tomorrow. Um, <laughs> so that's Star Force, man. A uh, bunch of idiots. Well, you do a you do a search for Star Force in Google, and there's the first one. The second one is um, a Star Force interview and piracy discussion. Uh, then there's games that use Star Force, and the fourth result is boycott Star Force. <laughs> a page gathering information about why and how Star Force sucks. Now you give it a week. Let's let's try and remember in a week we'll tune back in and see what the Google result looks like in a week after yeah. the sh- fucking shit hits the fan. I mean, the, the, this guy. And now this is the the best bit for people that haven't read the the story. So basically, um, Corey picked up on the fact that uh, Star Force, this company, is putting software into games. There's a couple of dozen games out there, and they secretly install software on your machine, and and basically. Um, cripples your machine if you try and get around the security inside of the game. So he covered it in, in Boing Boing and he called it malware. So he gets this letter from some wanker called Dennis Zidkov from Starforce that says, uh, Dear Sir, calling Starforce anti-copying malware is a good enough cause to press charges and that is what our corporate lawyer is busy doing right now. I urge you to remove your post from Boing Boing blah 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 because it is full of insults, lies, false accusations and rumours. Your article violates approximately 11 international laws. Our US lawyer will contact you shortly. I have also contacted the FBI because what you are doing is harassment. Sincerely, Dennis Zhidkov, PR manager, Starforce Inc. 
www.star-force.com. And um, now, they obviously aren't based in the US because, uh, number one, his English is pretty clumsy, and number two, he says, our US lawyer, blah, 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 blah. So I'm going to pop over to the website here and see... Well, I'm just, I'm just there, right? And because in the Google results, some of them had uh, highlighted this, prove it and receive $10,000 from Starforce. So they've obviously had this issue for a little while and they're offering... Well, it's too late now. Uh, actually, it's not. People listening right now, quick, go and prove it because you've got until January 31, 2006, and I'm assuming that's US prove, time. Prove what? So it says, in the past year, our staff and many of our clients tried relentlessly to reproduce the matter based on these rumours, as in the rumours being, you know, that the... Hang on, I'll go back. I'll read the first bit. Starforce is announcing worldwide contests among users of Starforce protected applications. There have been a lot of rumours in the internet concerning... In the internet? Concerning DVD, CD writers, malfunction after installation and star-up of Starforce protection applications. Some have even mentioned that should such malfunctioning drives drive Jesus Christ, yeah, he does need uh, English lessons. Drive be placed in any other PC without Starforce protection installed, it will fail to work as well. Um, so what they're saying is, if you can demonstrate proof of this, they'll pay you ten thousand bucks US. Um, but you have to prove it before January thirty-one, two thousand and six. Uh, the head office is based in China, Beijing. Their protection technology division is based in Moscow. And Starforce Technologies Limited is based in Cyprus. So uh, so they're legit then. You, you can tell by those locations that oh, they're uh, above board. Above board, above board. Nothing wrong there. Nothing to see here. People move along. <laughs> move $10 billion along. going missing? What $10 billion? We yeah. use Starforce to protect our application. <laughs> Look over here. Look over here. <laughs> do, you, do you watch Little Britain? No, no, you mentioned that. I haven't. I, I've got to. Because you guy. keep mentioning it. Yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> I mean, Little Britain got pretty boring after the first season, but I love that guy. Look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. Don't look at the $20 billion. Don't look at the $20 billion. Look at my eyes. Look at my eyes. Don't look around my eyes. Look at my eyes. Yeah, anyway, so, so this is a good example of PR from Dennis, the PR manager at Starforce. How to completely fuck your brand forever. Brought to you by Dennis Zhidkov from Starforce. <laughs> I mean, when I was at BlogOn um, uh, in October, I said to the panel, and I think I just asked the podcast when I had, um, uh, who do I have in the podcast? Uh, shit. Um, Steve and uh, from Persuasion and Mina Trot and um, the lovely lady from Customer Evangelist Church. Um, uh, can't remember her name. Oh, yeah. Damn, yep. no coffee. The anyway, book. I said about the... Um, Kryptonite? I mean, what are they going to do? So what happens if you fuck your brand? How do you get it back? I mean, how do you get your Google rank back? Now, at the time, Engadget was number one, and now it's number three. So they've made... But that's small progress in six months, man, and, uh, you know, and a year and a half since the issue first, you know, hit Engadget, so... Change your name. Start again. Do something different. Pretty much. Pretty much. Or getting all the bloggers saying something really positive about you, which which might shoot it up the ranks. But uh, you know, maybe, maybe. So what would you do? Maybe you would do a Microsoft and MSN search champs. Maybe um, invite 
top 100 bloggers to the Kryptonite headquarters and get the CEO in the room and say, look, uh, yeah, we really screwed that up. We want you guys to guide us on how to do it better. Um, how, you know, how should we handle these sorts of things when they hit the blogosphere in future? And invite them back uh, once a quarter, pay their airfares, put them up in a hotel. It's going to cost you a couple of hundred grand, but uh, you'll get your Google rank back. Or... If yeah, taking a page out of the RIAA, just sue them all. Sue all your users. <laughs> Fuck yes, them all. You could do that. That seems to be the RIAA's tactic of choice. <laughs> uh, the other thing on, on, on tech that, and then we'll get off of it. Go, um, Scobles posted this thing saying um, if you take a list of 100 bloggers and then you try and find how fast you can find their email address. Um, it's really hard. And he says that he's been publishing his for years and he reckons everyone should... We need a way of publishing our contact information so you can find it. Now, he says if you Google Scoble email, you'll find it very easily. So let's just try that while I'm here. Google it, Scoble email and... Uh, I hear lots of things. Um, I've got Scoble at email.unc.edu. Yeah, but the second one has his email address front and centre. Now, let's scoble Cameron Riley email. So my first one. So it's an old blog, but it's my first email result. It's my current email result. Yeah, Richard Giles, my first one. Richard Giles, there you go. So, you know, we publish this. Now, I get phone calls from journalists all the time, this is the point here, saying, Oh, finally got hold of you. You're so hard to track down. I was on your website. We couldn't find your contact information. I'm like, hello? How fucking hard is it to Google, you know? Let's try this. Google Cameron uh, Riley uh, phone. Uh, um, Okay, that's a bit harder. (laughs) No, there it is. It's It's on the fifth entry. My mobile number comes up in the fifth entry. Sweet. Um, so, I mean, come on, people. Fucking hell. If it's in the fifth entry, the sixth entry, you know, it's not that hard. So it's not that hard to find people if you publish your information. I don't know um, why people find it so difficult, apart from the fact no. that they're morons. Yeah. TPN News. Yeah. Some good stuff going on, isn't there? Lots of good stuff going on, mate. Lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, I got this flyer. Have I told you? Have I showed you the flyer? No. Oh, mate, you're just going to wet yourself when I show you this. <laughs> this is uh, you, you. Everyone, just listen in while I send this to Rich via Skype. You notice how some uh, file sends in Skype go really slowly? Uh, it's probably the route they're taking. Uh, yeah, I guess I have. I've never really paid much attention to it. Like this one, you mean? Well, this is actually not doing too bad. This is a 150 kilobyte file I'm sending to you, and it's taking many, many seconds to get to <laughs> <laughs> um, two, two minutes left for me here. Like yeah. 1.3, 1.1K. Yeah, it's currently going 807 bits per second, bytes per second, one of the two. Uh, yeah. Um, it's going through Russia. Star Force are just checking it before uh, we have a look. <laughs> Ewan was telling me last night that it's got something to do with uh, they go through other people's Skype clients and it's bottlenecked or it's it's you know capped at one kilobyte a second or something, so it doesn't use up other people's Skype bandwidth. So it's going from Skype client to Skype client. 
But what do they cap the voice at? They probably don't have a cap for voice, do they? I mean, well, they probably do, but it's not going to be one K. That's yeah. But I, like, I've got a connection to you. I'm talking to you with the voice. So why can't I send you the file? Doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, um, so have a look at this. This is a design of a flyer that uh, Van from Geeks of Hazards done up for me because he's a graphic designer and his day job. Um, that I'm going to put up on all of the blogs, all of the TPN blogs, and it's basically a TPN flyer promoting TPN. And the basic idea is, he needs to rejig this a little bit, um, the basic idea is I want our audience to download this on their office printers and leave them lying around. Uh, good idea. Promoting TPN with the URL, talking what is podcasting, a little bit about the sort of shows that we have on TPN. And I, th- I figure, you know, we've got a couple of hundred thousand listeners, right? If we can get, on average, each one of those to print off ten of these puppies a month and leave them ra- leave them lying in the coffee section of their office, in the lunchroom, take them to the cafe on the weekend, leave them at the pub, leave them in the sporting venue, do whatever... That's a couple of million people a month who should be getting exposed offline to TPN. That is a rock and uh, fly. I love it. Isn't it good? He did a fucking awesome job. Now, it's colour, and I said, well, most people are going to be printing it grayscale, and it's A5, and I want it to be A4, so it just comes out nicely on your A4 paper in the office. So he's going to rejig it a bit. Um, but there you go. So that's my um, marketing idea that I've been working on for a couple of months, uh, trying to get someone to build this thing for me. What do you reckon? Do you reckon, I reckon how- it. Do you reckon yeah, our listeners awesome. will actually print these things out and leave them lying around? Uh, one or two should. Well, that's not really going to work. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a this is the thing, uh, and maybe I'm wrong. It's just maybe asking for people to email in. But uh, yeah, I'd love for for listeners to to do things like this. And I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because everybody's in their car when they're listening to it and they can't quite remember. But uh, I'd love for just to see a bit of a spike as a result of, of listeners doing something, whether it be these flyers or whether it be something else, just to show that, you know, the, the power of people listening to podcasts is growing rapidly. I mean, you know, let's not be, you know, passive listeners. Let's be active. This is part of what blogs and podcasting is all about. It's it's being interactive and starting conversations. And uh, even though Cam and I are, you know, talking to each other over Skype and stuff like that, uh, it doesn't mean we want, don't want other people involved. I'd love for, for every, every one of our listeners to get involved in some capacity, whether it's, you know, emailing suggestions or sending in bits of audio. You know, just let's have some fun, right? I mean, that's what all of this is all about. So, uh, so yeah, that's my call to action. Now, here's what I don't get. Now... Uh, there, there, there's, there's some people listening to this show, judging by the logs. Not as many as should be, but there's some. Now, every like every week for the last for this month, I've been asking people to vote on Podcast Alley for the show, yep. and I've been promoting in the blog just to see what happened. Now, you know the old saying, "Ask and she re- ye shall receive." Well, I asked, and guess how many people have voted in the month of January on Podcast Alley for this show? I don't know. Couple? Six. Mm. Now, here's what I'm thinking, people. Now, obviously, you either listen to the show because you like it or because you're checking out the competition or because, I don't know, you subscribe to it and you haven't been able to figure out how to unsubscribe. But <laughs> if you want podcasting to continue, you've got to show us some love. You've got to give us some support. And now, I'm not asking you to give me your money. 
I'm saying take a few minutes out, as Rich says, leave a comment, throw a suggestion, say good day, drop us an email, or go up and vote. If you vote, we go up the rankings. If we go up the rankings, more people discover it. More people discover it, more people listen. More people listen, we can sell more advertising, we sell more advertising, we make some money, we can keep doing this thing. But if you just go, uh, she'll be right, mate, someone else's problem, the whole thing's just going to, you know, not happen. Because at some point... Dawn and Drew for the rest of your life. Because uh, at some point, Cameron's wife and my wife uh, are going to start asking questions about money. What do you mean? At some point. <laughs> well, uh, you've got a you've got a few months lead on me, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, finally, um, the Academy Award nominations are out, um, which is always kind of a sad event. Look over here, look over here, don't look at the war, don't look at the war, don't look at the amount of money that we've stolen out of these third world countries. Look at the Academy Awards, look at the Academy Awards, look at the Academy Awards. Now, uh, Harry Knowles over on Ain't It Cool News is bitching and moaning about the fact that Revenge of the Snith... The Snith? Revenge of the Sith has... That sounds like another Monty Python show. ...has been snubbed out of uh, its nomination for Best Visual Effects... Uh, now that's, I mean, uh, you know, I got this theory, right? Um, <laughs> funnily enough, unlike me to have a theory. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't think Steven Spielberg should get nominations for best director for making um, the same sort of films he's been making for thirty years. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, he can do good special effects, but that's what he does. Same with Lucas. Lucas made another Star Wars film. I don't think you get awards for just doing it again. I don't think we should give awards for, yeah, he did the same thing he did before again. I mean, that's that's not... An, I mean, we shouldn't have awards at all for, for, for art. Let's face it, that's just crap. It's like podcasting awards. I mean, voting is one thing, but awards, ceremonies, you know, it's just... Uh, it's sad. It's It's sick. It's it's a disease, and I'll be setting up the TPN podcasting awards next month. So everyone tune in to <laughs> awards <laughs> not the podcast network dot com. But uh, anyway, but you know, and it's the same with. So this is my thing with Spielberg and Lucas. They sh- if they break out of their mold and do something really different. Now I haven't seen Munich yet, but I'm going to go see it um, tomorrow when I take the kids to school. Um, uh, but you know that that was a. Uh, it looks like it's a breakout thing for Spielberg. It's something that's a serious political uh, message kind of film, which isn't what you think of when you think of Spielberg. He's he's dabbled in that area a few times, but then Schindler's List or something, wasn't it? Yeah, he's done Schindler's List. He did uh, the, you know, World War One landing on the beaches kind of thing. The Brothers McMullen. Ah, yeah, but that was kind of a bit... The first five minutes were hardcore, and then it got fluffy, right? Then it, then it was, yeah, then it was gay. Not that there's anything wrong with gay, ladies and gentlemen, but it was about a bunch of blokes hugging each other and, you know... <laughs> which is nothing wrong with that, Brokeback Mountain, all good stuff, but, you know... Let's just call it as it is. Uh, so, anyway... Um, speaking of awards, we may as well get it in now on the show. Ewan, Ewan Spence from the movie show and TPN Rock... <laughs> He, he was very excited about this the other day. I was on instant message when he sent off the emails requesting a press pass to the Razzie Awards. So he'll be doing a uh, a movie show from there, right? Yeah, Ewan's, Ewan's decided to go to the US in March 
um, he was going over for O'Reilly's E-Tech, which you're going over to as well, right? I am, yeah. And then he's to- he's turned this thing into a, like a year-long event. He's going to <laughs> 72 conferences. And every day I get an IM or an email from you and uh, asking me to participate in... You know, trying to scam another press pass for something for him. I mean, it's just sad. It's sad. He's obviously got <laughs> he's prob- addicted. He's obviously got problems at home. He's been kicked out. Um, Vicky doesn't want him back, and he's <laughs> he's just going on a road trip. He's been listening to too many of his um, his ringtone things. That <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> Mate, he's getting Vicky to make too many of the orgasmatones, <laughs> and she's pissed off with having to fake orgasms all the time and never getting a real one. I think is what it is. <laughs> So anyway, because he's always up doing rock shows and uh, shit till midnight. So anyway, yeah. So Ian's covering the uh, Ian. Ewan's covering the Razzies for us, which is going to be cool. That's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that one. The other thing I was, I was just going to promote with TPN News is uh, we've just signed Orb up to sponsor the uh, Media Centre show for 90 days, which is um, very exciting. It is. It's awesome. That's good of them. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they've been really good for that show and. Took Ian to uh, Vegas for CES, and they're really excited about the relationship and how it's going, which is fantastic. Well, mate, that's pretty much all the news I've got for you today. Got anything else, mate, you want to wrap up with? Got any Aussie terms? Oh, give us a sec. Although you don't believe any of them. I've got one from my neighbour again. Yeah, you're making that shit up, but give it to me. No, no, no. He's a a good good Tasmanian boy. (laughs) Um... Um, Loves that cat. See, see, I like the <laughs> and the other head. Um, I love this one, and it took me a little while to get it. In fact, they had to explain it to me. Dressed up like a pox doctor's clerk. What? What is a pox doctor's clerk? A pox doctor has a clerk. Say so a pox doctor. Pox is a venereal disease. Yeah. A venereal disease doctor's clerk. Clerk is dressed up nicely. Why? Well, that's it, right? I mean, you, you, you dressing up nicely like one, so i.e., they're a bit, you know, they're uh, they're not quite the uh, aficionado of style, and uh, but they've dressed up a bit. So you know, coming from the other side of the the railroad or something like that, and being a bit dressed up, but they don't quite cut it. Well, the one I was going to dig out because. I've been on the, the, the well, no, uh, I won't say that I've been on the receiving end of this because that's ridiculous, but it, 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 you see it. It's not related to pox or anything, is it? Actually, it is, yes. I've got the pox and you gave it to me. Um, is uh, be that $400 thing that you paid for the other day, isn't it? <laughs> on um, Second Life. I never knew you could catch pox via Second Life, man. It's <laughs> virtual pox. Is uh, tall poppy syndrome. The tendency to cut down the tall poppy so in yeah. Australia, that's we have this culture of criticising successful people and trying to drag them back down to your level if they get too big for their boots. Yeah, I wonder if it happens elsewhere or if it definitely is Aussie. I mean, because it definitely happens here in Australia where, you know, there'll be a, a musician or a, an actor or, or something and we've got to find faults and, and, and say how bad they are. Yeah. And if you can survive it long enough, then we love you again. If you take a Kylie Minogue, for example... Yep. We all loved Kylie, and then she broke out of the soapy and started doing the singing, and she got bagged for a good, well, you know, 10 years, maybe. I think she got just completely pilloried in the press for 10 years, but she said, fuck you, kept doing it, and now we all love her. And, and then the other. Now she's a national treasure. And then the other thing we do is steal New Zealanders and claim them for our, our own. 
So did you see this thing about how Russ Crowe was supposed to be having a televised nationalisation ceremony on Australia Day? Was he? Yeah, it fell through at the last minute because the government couldn't get their shit together. But uh, the plan was he's, he's going to become naturalised as an Aussie because he's a Kiwi. He was born in New Zealand, but grew up here, so fair enough. He was going to be naturalised as an Aussie, but, uh, and they were going to do this big televised ceremony on Australia's Day, but uh, couldn't get it together, so didn't happen. But I'm he is still... apparently becoming Australianised. I still think he's your twin. Mine? Yeah, you and him look exactly the same with those Elvis sunnies on, man. Everyone looks the same with Elvis sunnies on. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I actually met a guy, though. I had a, I had a cabbie once who was the spitting image and sounded just like Russell Crowe. And I was like a, an ad's dick away from saying, mate, are you related to Russell Crowe? Because, you know... <laughs> uh, anyway. I saw a Russell Crowe film the other day, for, and I'm going to talk about it on the movie show uh, tomorrow night when you and I do it, called Proof. 1991 Jocelyn Morehouse film with a very young Russell Crowe and a much younger Hugo Weaving, which was a sort of a... In a lot of ways, a turning point in Australian cinema history. It was a lot of Australian films up until then were sort of set in the outback, man, man from Snowy River, uh, that kind of thing. Apart from obviously Mad Max, we had you know blah blah blah. But this this really came out and it was you know contemporary about a blind man and and this guy that he meets and they have this you know almost homosexual uh, relationship going on. And, and there's a kinky sort of uh, masochistic relationship between the blind man played by Hugo Weaving and his housemaid. But it's a good film, really good film. And uh, Hugo Weaving did a great job. But you look at it and you look at Russell Crowe in this film, you go, there's no way this guy's ever going on to win an Academy Award and being one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. Because he was okay, but he was nothing special, you know. Hugo so was that, Weaving was the... That was after Rumpa Stomper or...? Yeah, I think this was after Romper. I think Romper was sort of late 80s. Um, geez, it's becoming like the movie show now. I'm going to have to IMDb the shit out of it. And yeah, because it's turning point, in my opinion, for Russell Crowe and his, his film acting career was... What was the movie with Denzel Washington? Oh, man. Um, oh, the, the, the virtual reality one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Man. See, that was his big break. That had nothing to do with Romper Stomper. Had he shocking. not made that, had he not made that movie, he Virgin, wouldn't be the, where he is now. Virtuosity, 1995. Yeah, well, that was his big break in Hollywood. He did The Quick and the Dead before that with um, Sharon Stone. But uh, Virtuosity was shite, mate. What a piece of crap that was. <laughs> uh, great soundtrack, though. Actually, Proof was before Romper Stomper. Proof was 1991. And oh, really? uh, it was his, sort of his first big role. He'd done a few things before then. He'd been in Neighbours and he'd, you know had a couple of small roles. Proof was his first big role. Then he did Spotswood with Tony Hopkins in '92, and then he did Romper Stomper in '92 as well, which was uh, you know probably still to you know, my way of thinking the best thing he's ever done by a fucking land mile, mate. Yeah, and let's not forget Acropolis Now, Teenage Mutant Ninja Greeks. Important (laughs) moment in in his TV history. Uh, Anyway, well, that's the show for today. Thank you very much for joining me, Richard Giles. Thank you very much. I'd like to thank my family. (laughs) Talk to you tomorrow, buddy. Alrighty, see ya.
know how it can't begin. It must be taken.